I was just really intentional about finding things, healthy things that would help me live with the pain. And art seemed to be strong enough, a strong enough space to, to help me do that. Hi friends, you're listening to Art and Magic, a podcast where we connect all things practical, magical, and really real when it comes to walking the artist's path. I'm your host, Devin Walls, painter, mentor, and dreamer. Thank you so much for being here. Now let's get into today's episode. Welcome back to the show. I'm just going to dive right into today's episode today because although it is coming out much later than I originally thought it would, uh, we recorded this conversation at the beginning of May, which I cannot believe. It's a wonderful one and it is timeless. And I went back and listened to it today and It was the exact thing that I felt like I needed to hear in this moment, and I have a feeling it's going to hit you in the same way. So our guest today is Lanicia Rouse Tinsley. More than anything, I think you might walk away from this conversation encouraged to really honor the winding road of your own journey. It's not a theme that we're unfamiliar with here on this show, but I felt like the way Lanicia shared her story of transitioning from minister to artist as a vocation, um, as well as her journey of intense grief after losing her daughter. There's something embedded within all of that about resilience, which is a theme that she kept coming back to, um, a hunger for life and to thrive, and the ways in which art has has really been that vehicle for her, art has been that thing for her, and how art has also facilitated the healing process. Um, It's all woven together in a very profound way that I think is going to speak to you. And, you know, if you're like me in this moment, maybe you've had a harder time creating. Um, That's where I've been. And there's something about re-listening to this conversation that was kind of that permission slip of like, we can move through hard things and we can make our work and we can choose life, not in a forceful, um, you know, patriarchal type of way, but in a way that's really self-honoring. And that's, that was the overall essence that I walked away from after having this conversation and re-listening to it. Some of the other highlights for me in our conversation um, were all of the beautiful resources that Lanicia shares with us. She is also a self-taught artist, um, but as we discussed in the interview, has a real thirst and hunger for knowledge and learning. And the way she kind of broke down her process for diving into art history and understanding her place in the conversation was very inspiring. And um, I did my best to make accessible show notes for everybody so that we could all kind of go follow uh, the resources, places, and artists that she loves. And she was also generous enough to email me other resources that she thought of after our interview. So I've included all of that in the show notes. And if there's ever an episode to check out the show notes, it is this one for sure. Something else we talked about that was really cool 
was this idea of how art makes us more human, whether we're creating it or engaging with it. And I think you're really going to enjoy her thoughts on the parallels of engaging with art and existing as a citizen in the world. Um, Really, really cool stuff there. So lots of really soothing, inspiring, and, and deep wisdom to sink into in this conversation. So if you're not already familiar with her, Lenicia Rouse Tinsley is an interdisciplinary artist based in Houston, Texas. She is the owner and creator of LAR, L-A-R, Art Studio. Her portfolio includes a range of work in photography, abstract painting, teaching, writing, and speaking. Lenicia contracts with local and national organizations to teach, consult, create commissioned work, and more. Lenicia's studies in sociology, theology, and culture have influenced her artistic practice and the questions that she brings to her work. Her creative process is meditative and contemplative in nature. In each work, she explores through abstraction the complex layers that compose various aspects of the human condition and story. So without further ado, I give to you my conversation with Lenicia. So I thought that we could just jump right in by talking about your work because your work is so expressive and emotive and beautiful. And just for those who haven't seen it yet, I would love to hear you kind of just describe it for us. Sure. So I am an abstract painter and I devil in a number of different mediums. And I think the unifying kind of link with all of my work is that I love creating works with multiple layers that it's heavily textured. I enjoy creating my own pigments and creating work that requires a lot of time Mm. in order to become that is meditative and draws people into a space of meditation and contemplation. And uh, yeah, so I do, I follow my curiosity a lot and I think my art has evolved uh, as I have as a human and as an artist. And so I don't limit myself to one medium or one style of art. I love working with collage, telling stories with paper and paint, mixed media. I spend a lot of time creating paintings on canvas with multiple, just heavily textured and layered work and um, exploring colors and the psychology of that. And so, yeah, I think that's probably the best way to describe it. Yeah, I love what you said. My work takes time in order to become. That is really beautiful and uh, really telling of the process and uh, the meditative aspect in it. And Was that meditative aspect always there? Was that just something like natural within you or did that? I'm I'm just kind of curious about that. Yeah, it's always been there since the beginning. And I think that's part of what I brought into this new vocation Mm -hmm. because I didn't start off uh, as an artist, as like art being my full-time vocation. Mm -hmm. I was in ministry for a number of years and I was always drawn to spiritual practices that required a sense of slowing down, mm. of being still and silent, and really seeking. I guess I've always really pursued 
spaces and practices and beliefs that allow me to evolve over time and don't demand um, quick responses or me to be something without going through a process of becoming. And I love meditation. Um, I love poetry and reading things that require a, a pace, a slowing down pace, right? And so when I entered into my art as a vocation, I brought all of that with me and have found that to be the best way for me to create work is slowly, my best work comes when I allow um, a work to really, I like to say unfold or become over a period of time and not try to rush the process, but really fully be present to the process. And uh, a lot is revealed to me in that and it feels like an authentic voice for myself and it just, it's been my, my practice, yeah, since mm. the beginning. Oh, that feels so soothing to hear and, and feels particularly medicinal for the times and, and honestly really like speaks to a lot of things that I've been kind of working through. And, and the question that that um, brings up to me is, you know, when you're working through that, like letting things unfold and being still and, and being in the process, I'm wondering on a, on a practical level, you know, how you've met that kind of process with maybe like deadlines or preparing for a show. I, I would just kind of be curious about how those, that process uh, might collide with like external. Yeah. So I, sorry. Oh, no, no. Just like how it collides with external like confinements or, or deadlines. Yes. So my planner is my friend. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do plan out projects and I have been making art for a while now and kind of know what it requires of me, like the pace and the time it requires for me to create a work. And so I like to accept projects and accept guidelines, I mean deadlines that I know will make sense and not force me to be inauthentic in the work and mm. pressured. And so there are times when I find the work may be evolving a little bit slower than the deadline is requiring. And in those moments, I either ask for an extension, I'm really honest mm -hmm. about that, and because I don't want to force the work. Mm -hmm. And either I'll ask for an extension or uh, I'll just really lean in hard and spend more time in the studio than I would typically do to make sure that the work is ready um, mm. so yeah I do a lot of planning and I just know myself in the process and uh, I'm really honest with myself and those who invite me to do commissions and shows mm. uh, with no like sometimes I'll have to say no that's not feasible something I can do and if I say yes then um, I know it's a process that I can do um, honestly in the time frame yeah 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 totally it's kind of like you've done it you've done your process so much at this point that you might have like a general sense of how long things take. Um, yeah. And I'm also, I'm always making work. And so I found it's so interesting how life works that as I'm making the work and an invitation will come maybe a month or four months later and it's just right on time. And the pieces that I've been working on or the process that I've been doing really fits the invitation 
And that has happened so many times. And I had, so I haven't had to feel like rushed in saying yes. And it's just kind of like the universe aligns in a way, but you will always find me making and I'm not waiting for the invitation to make. I'm, mm. I'm making and I feel like the universe just makes space <laughs> for that work to breathe and to live outside of the studio in the time um, that it needs to. I love, love that. That is all. I'm seeing much more your connection to poetry, by the way. Um, the way you word things is lovely. Um, <laughs> that kind of actually brings me to something that you, you brought up that I, I'm curious to hear more about is your transition from being a minister into an artist. And um, I don't know if that's, uh, it's not something that I hear of all the time. And that just might be because I personally don't know a lot of ministers. Um, but I'm just really curious about um, yeah, wh what brought on that transition and, and maybe how your life in ministry maybe influences your work now. But you, you did touch on that a little bit, but if there's anything else to add. Sure. So I have always been a creative and an artist. And since I was a kid, like music was really my medium, I guess, uh, music and dance. And I've always had this love for the arts and appreciation for it and curiosity for creativity, I guess, and um, making. And I was just always fearful, to be honest, to pursue it. Uh, and I pursued a really logical route that also was life-giving for me, mm -hmm. and that was ministry. Uh, and I went to div school and you know, pastor churches both here in the States, and I spent a year in England in ministry. And I found that in even doing ministry, art and creativity always made its way into what I was offering people that I was in community with. Um, I, and so it was just, it was always there. And it feels like in 2014, when I resigned from full-time ministry to pursue art full-time, it almost felt like this natural evolution. Um, and yeah, a fluid transition for me personally. There were some, you know, my own kind of head struggles of really claiming the name of artist and making that um, switch as far as like my professional identity, you know, and um, a lot of things I had to learn and let go of and claim for myself in the process, but it made sense to me mm. <laughs> and it felt really natural. And it was something that I needed to do for life. Um, I didn't want to just survive life and do things that felt safe anymore. I, I realized at the moment where I really did take that step from that profession into full-time art that I really wanted to thrive in life. And when I began to name the things that would require or allow me rather to thrive, it was all, it all had to do with art, making art, creating, creating for myself, creating space for other people to tap into their deep wells of creativity and experience the same kind of delight and relief and beauty and life that I experienced in the creative process. So yeah, I took that leap in 2014. I had I guess another part of my story is that in 2013, I 
had given birth prematurely to a daughter. Her name is Anne Jordlene. We call her AJ. And she lived two hours and 45 minutes. And when I gave birth to her, even the creation of her within me began to stir some desire for something new in my professional life. When I was imagining what kind of mother I wanted to be to her, I wanted to be a mother that gave was an example of like courage and bravery who was like seeking life and doing the things that I would want to encourage her to do. Like those things that give you life and, mm -hmm. and joy and that you're passionate about. And so I began to kind of start naming those things even when she was in my womb. But when I had her and then she died in the two hours and 45 minutes later, there was this part of me that um, had to stop and really reimagine what life would look like in this new normal. And in a way that would honor um, the life, her life and the life that she had begun to like birth within me. And that would honor the gift of life that I still had. Um, and so in that process, there was this naming of like, I, I need, I'm gonna be an artist and I'm no longer afraid of doing this. I'm more afraid of not doing it and then doing it. And so I began to name things in the midst of my grief of, as I was journeying through that really long, long, long night, uh, I began to name the things that would bring me life. And they all had to do with creation and mm. creating and um, adding to the beauty of this world through the works of my hands. And so Nine months later, <laughs> I resigned from my church job and I got in the studio and all of that and started making art and selling art. And nine months later, it was full on into my own small business. Yeah. Nine months feels like a really synchronistic timeline <laughs> right. for that to happen. Yeah. What an incredible story. Thank you very much for, for sharing that, um, the whole journey. And um, I'm curious to know, too, because I wanted to talk about the experience of moving through grief with art. I, I imagine that, you know, with that revelation around, like, naming the things that bring you life, the transition and, and moving into that after, after, after losing a child there must have been so much grief to process and I'm wondering if you turned to your art for that or, or what that looked like and and if you had advice for people who also maybe wanted to use their art um in that way yes I did lean into art making pretty hard <laughs> uh, during that initial moment and, and continue to do honestly um, of grief and loss. I had been a pastor at a church here in downtown Houston where I was directing a program at a nonprofit for men and women living on the streets. And it was an art project that was a therapeutic art and economic empowerment project. 
And through that work of directing, I would attend art classes and sit in on their classes and watch their journey of reimagining their lives and how art had provided healing for them uh, in dealing with their own trauma and the harsh realities of living on the streets and how it had become a place of solace and really a life-giving source for them. And I think when I experienced this breaking that was unlike anything I'd experienced before, though I had experienced hardships and depression, this was really different. Mm -hmm. And I think I pulled on all of the things in my toolbox that I could possibly pull on. And those tools were things that I had gained while working with that community, with my community at the art project. And so I pulled out my artist way book. I pulled out my watercolors. I began to just play with water and color. And there was something cathartic about that, something that allowed me to speak what I was feeling without, when I couldn't find the words to articulate them. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. It felt really safe. And then there were moments where I didn't even have to like think about what I was necessarily feeling. It was just like, I'm just gonna see what yellow and red do when I put water, you know, and just play mm -hmm. with them. And in that, there's also this taking away from this attention from my pain that helped to create this resilience um, within me in that process. And so, yeah, art was this place of, real emotional and mental and spiritual healing for me along with my therapist and my community and spending time really being honest about my pain you know mm. and that art was definitely an essential part of that healing for me and a sense of resilience i guess of building up a resilience for life because I knew I still had life. I was still here. And that um, the pain of her absence was going to be with me forever. And so it wasn't a matter of me finding things to take away the pain. Um, it was, or, you know, that I thought might take away the pain. I was just really intentional about finding things, healthy things, that would help me live with the pain. And art seemed to be strong enough, a strong enough space to, to help me do that, to hold um, all that I was feeling, all that I thought, all the questions uh, that I had in ways that was more life-giving than life-destructive, that wasn't destructive or draining for me. Um, and so I, I just leaned into it really hard. Mm, yeah. yeah that's such a such a wonderful like point and thing to highlight around grief is that you know the, the therapy and the art um it's not to take the pain away but but to lean into it like as a source of resilience you know and like a, a way to live with the pain and I think that you know with grief grief is so powerful that we it really can't be shut down. Like there is no such thing as that, you know? Um, 
Yeah, I just think that that's incredibly well put to not to not to try and shut it down. Um, and I also like what you said too about like being honest about the pain. That's such a, a healing part of it. Yeah, thank you so much for 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 sharing that. Yeah, that was that was a place of growth for me because I think for so long in ministry, I felt I had to pretend like I wasn't hurting Mm. in order to help other people in their hurt and their pain. Mm. (laughs) And that I had to give this persona of strength and having it all together and not naming what was real for me and leaning into my identity as artists that had always been there became this place of liberation, of freedom, of me being able to fully be myself. Uh, in many ways, fully be human. And, uh, and there was so much life there for me. And I just kept, kept leaning in. And I would, you know, I mentioned I'd paint with watercolors all times of night because I had a hard time sleeping. But then I also, like, I think when we experience things that are really ugly <laughs> um, and painful and carve out this real deep sorrow in our hearts. I love Khalil Gibran's poem of like on joy and sorrow that then we begin to, it like makes this space and this craving for, for joy and for beauty. Like we just look for it. So I've, I would find myself in the midst of my grief, like walking in the park and photographing birds and flowers and these things of the everyday that I begin to see a beauty in new ways. Um, with these new eyes that I had, and I would use photography as a way of creative expression and, you know, naming and seeing beauty. And then it's like, oh, I would create and try to paint the things that I saw, the flowers and the birds that I saw. And I think it was all the seeking for, for beauty and joy, even in the midst of the pain and the sorrow. And I think my sorrow gave me new eyes to be able to see and experience true joy Mm. Um, and yeah I think he was so right when he was just talking about how the two are just are married in ways that um that experience taught me and revealed to me so Yeah. yeah yeah absolutely I'm wondering um you know for anybody listening who is experiencing some level of grief and they they want to find something to lean into and maybe that thing is art what you might advise them like how how should they start sure i i know i i'm just a firm believer in like therapy mm-hmm. and there so if you have the resources or there are options out there for you that economically work i do encourage journeying with someone else so art therapy Mm. uh, i would encourage i if that's not accessible to you and even if it is i say like just grab some materials and just start doing repetitive painting motions i mean i just think creating something and not being caught up with what um what you're making but more so of just the material itself, right? And being able to express with color and whatever you're doing, like coloring books. I mean, that's easy. There's, cause sometimes the blank canvas and page can be intimidating. 
there's research out there that shows, you know, like when we are coloring that it reduces stress, right? And it helps us to relax. And there's something about this repetitive motion of moving the crayon, of moving the paintbrush that really is cathartic for us. And so I just say, get some materials and paint um, or find you an art therapist or um, yeah, and just, and just let it out. Like just be as real as you possibly can. If you're an artist and you're in your studio, don't be afraid to, to go there in your studio and in your work. Right, um, and it doesn't have to be work that anybody else sees. It is for you. And someone gave me a good advice a long time ago when I started painting on large canvases um, for the first time. He said, "Remember, the canvas is strong enough to hold all of your emotions and mm. all of your thoughts and all of your questions. So just let it." And that. I encourage people to just let, believe that the art, the work is strong enough to hold it all. And um, yeah, go there yeah. as far as you can. You know, I, I just do. And I, and I do encourage people not just to, I, I don't see art as like a savior of sorts, you know, then that mm -hmm. can hold it all. And so I do really encourage people, if you can journey with someone else. Um, and, um, but yeah. Yeah, I'm a huge yes to that too. I'm very, very therapy positive. <laughs> um, and, you know, and I, I think in my experience too, part of the healing is like letting someone else in, which might be a little bit of a different topic, but that's been my experience and also part of the challenging aspect of therapy. But I, I do think that that's, I like that you're highlighting that. Um, just to say like, that's also very important, you know? Most definitely. And, you know, I, when I started, I am not trained in art. Like I didn't go to art school. Um, I, yeah, I, when I first began, it was really, I just knew from working at the art project and seeing people like going to some of the workshops with the participants that watercolor, I was like, oh, this is fun. I kind of know how to put brush, like a brush in the water and paint. And <laughs> I just started leaning into it. And um, so I don't think, you know, you don't have to have like a degree, an art degree in order to find some, yeah, some solace and healing and yeah, comfort, right, in art making. Yeah, and I like what you said too around like coloring books and repetitive patterns and, and it's something that I hadn't even thought about until you actually said it, but I was reflecting on yeah and the times when I'm really trying to like work through something difficult and I bring it to the studio or not often something that is comforting is that repetition and simplicity um, because it's more about the somatic experience of making something rather than like having to think about what you're making um, yes. so yeah thank you for highlighting that yeah very Sweet. beautiful um, there's something I kind of wanted to circle back to that you you mentioned kind of in passing um, within that story, and it was about you, um, art was this place where you could be fully human, and I know that this is something you've said about your art, is that your intention is to create something that's relevant and, and beautifully human, and um, I think there was something else that you mentioned around you want your art to make the world a more human dwelling place. 
Um, correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong. I'm sure I butchered that. Um, but I just thought that when I read that, that was such a beautiful sentiment. And I'm, I'm wondering if you could expand on that a little bit more for us, what that means to have art um, make the world a more human dwelling place. Yes. So part of one voice that has been informative to me in understanding that as my role as an artist has been writer James Baldwin. He has an essay called The Creative Process that has been a piece that I return to often. And he speaks that the role of the artist is to for us to go into ourselves and to explore our wilderness within so that we can then create work and be voices that helps to make the world a more human dwelling place. So that's where that thought comes from. And that resonated with me so deeply the first time I read it, and it still does today, because I think in my own life, art making has been the space that has made me a better human, like through the process of making art and paying attention to what the process reveals about myself, like reveals to me and reveals to me about life and being a part of a universe that is much larger than myself and being a part of this um, art, it has made me, I feel like a better a human, um, one who is unafraid of vulnerability or learning, I guess, to be less and less afraid of being vulnerable, um, who it has taught me how to be the beauty of honesty. Um, it has taught me the life that is in uh, the textures and the layers, the complex layers of who I am, and that that is part of what it means to be human. And that helps, I think, as I accept that about myself, and especially in my work, it helps me to accept that in myself and then make space for other people, for the complexities and beauty of other people, allowing space for people to be more fully themselves. And, and I think in that work, when we do that, and I, you know, like I approach my art with a sense of curiosity. Um, I hold the canvases and my process really loosely. And all of this has been something that art making has taught me the importance of, right? Because I used to try to hold so tightly and control so many things. Um, and hide the complexities of myself from other people, which also hindered community and a sense of belonging, right? Um, And allowing myself to really love and be loved by others. And, And I found that the more I make art and really engage in the creative process and learn to, to love my own authentic voice as an artist and the beauty of the canvas and all of its imperfections, you know, uh, and being able to see that the beauty in that and um, that it's also helped me in seeing that in myself, right? Mm -hmm. And creating that space and seeing that in other people and it's teaching me to do that. And I, I, by no means, I don't wanna say if I arrived, but I do feel like the process of making art helps me to be more human and create more space for other people to be that and to see the beauty in that. And in, in, in as we make those spaces, um, I do think it makes this world more durable, um, more humane. Um, and I think art too, not just in the making, but art 
when I engage the arts, um, both like as museums and the works of other artists of various mediums, I find that it can birth within me a sense of empathy for people that are not like, and the words we like to use is the other, and I don't necessarily like to other people, but you know, people who may not have the same story that I do and particularities that I have and helps me see it from a different perspective. And in, in that work, it does, I think, create this, um, this capacity for compassion and community and seeing of the other and the other human beings um, in a way that makes this world um, more humane. And it definitely makes me a better citizen, um, friend, lover, you know, family member, all of these things. And it just adds to um, the beauty and the goodness of this world. And um, so that's what I have experienced in art and I see happen. Um, and I want to, my work, to participate in that kind of work mm. um, and contribute in this rich, deep art history that has been was created way before I came into existence and will be here way after me. That's just the little part that I want to contribute um, into into this this I guess history of art. It's just like I want my art to to help make this world um, to add to the beauty of the world and to participate in making it a more human, just liberating, kind, um, grace-filled world. Yeah. yeah, I love what you highlighted in that, which is that, you know, kind of like the medicine of humanness is both in the creation and in the receiving of art. Like it, mm -hmm. it's on both sides. So it's like, if you're a maker, you're getting that aspect of being met with your humanness through having to be authentic and loose and, and face things and work through things in this way that art asks us to. But, you know, also if you're not necessarily engaged with like art making proper, um, you're still, you're still participating in it by being a receiver of, of other people's art. Um, yeah, which is really, really cool to think about is like, even if you're not an artist, you're still very much part of all of the art in that way. You're still a participant. Very Most cool. definitely. Most definitely. Yeah. Um, I wanted to, because I was, I was going to ask you about this anyway, and you, you kind of brought it up, um, like claiming like, you know, this is what I want to participate in, in the history of artists, you know? Mm -hmm. And I've been following you actually for quite a while. Um, I want to say at least a couple of years. And something that always has caught my eye, like just as your stories and whatnot pass along my awareness, is that um, you like read a lot and you're very into art history. And I also know that you're a self-taught artist and I am self-taught as well. And um, something I'm always curious about is like how you've directed your own art education and like the resources you've grabbed at or um, just how you've thought about that because I think that that really shows in your presence and that that seems very much a part of you is your your thirst for the history of art and um, yeah I'm wondering if you had like invite advice in that department for other people who want to sink their teeth more into that. Yeah so I've always been a curious person who I like how you said like thirst that's really true for mm -hmm. me 
I have a lot of questions and I thirst constantly for, for knowledge <laughs> and have a value for knowledge and education. And I've been privileged with an education that has taught me how to, in many ways, self-direct um, an education for myself. And so I follow my curiosity and then research. Um, Google is my friend. <laughs> yeah. I, I research topics that I, about art that I'm really curious about and artists that whose lives and practices and I want to know more about. And then I find as I go down the rabbit hole and begin to read and study, then they point me towards other voices that um, I want to know more about. And I, and I think all of that's driven by a desire to for me, I find it an honor to be an artist and to be a part of this, in many ways, this lineage of art makers um, throughout the ages who have been creatively adding, um, yeah, who have had creative voices in the world. And so I want to take that really seriously and know what conversation I'm a part of, if that makes sense. Mm. And wow. so that has driven me to carve out time in my studio practice for study, for research, and knowing more about what, yeah, what I'm a part of. And I love it. I feel like it's helped me in my confidence in the studio. I have learned so much about like techniques and practices, you know, techniques and processes rather that I kind of lean into and discover my own kind of like, oh, it leads to another thing that makes more sense for me as I learn about other artists. And to be honest, Evan, you know, as a black woman, I've pretty much all my life, my parents from a young age taught us like we have to supplement our education mm. um, with uh, other resources to find the stories that are missing from the history that we're mm -hmm. learning. So from a young age, I've just was fostered to, to always be seeking um, to know more than what I know, I guess, and what is given yeah. to me. And so I, yeah, so I, I continue to do that. And it has helped me in my, finding my own voice and being able to um, teach and share with other people um, art. Yeah, so like my workshops and everything, it's all just a part of what it means. I guess part of my responsibility, I think too, of what it means to be like to teach workshops and um, to teach people art and then to make art. It's also important for me to do my own studies and learn some things, yeah. Yeah, yeah, some really, really wonderful things highlighted in there. Um, yeah, what's missing from history? Such a, such a, a big conversation, and then also <laughs> b a huge conversation for another podcast. Um, but also too, um, I love how that's added to, like your what would be the word like self responsibility to do your own digging, you know, mm -hmm. um, and that's really carried over, and that really shows too. Um, mm. And I also love what you said you know, this question you kind of began with, which I wrote down and 
might put it on the studio wall, which is what conversation am I a part of? And that's such a wonderful way, I think, of thinking about art history and this this trajectory that we are all somehow woven into. Mm. Because I know for myself, um, like a, a small area of self-consciousness is that I, I'm not super well-versed in art history because I didn't go to school for this. And I've read some things here and there and I, I've like been to museums and I've pi- I think I've picked up the nuggets that are like most relevant to me, but I also often feel like, oh, there's probably a huge part that I'm missing out on. And, and maybe that feeling will be there um, or maybe it will be soothed by like more research and depth. Um, and so anyway, I think that experience for self-taught artists can be overwhelming. So just that simplification of what conversation am I, am I a part of? And then kind of like letting that lead. I just really love that. That really um, hit home for me. Thank you for saying that. Oh, yeah, I know. I, I think, cause I guess my entry point was abstract expressionism. Like I, mm-hmm. when I went into the Manil here in Houston and the museum, like I was drawn to that work. And so that was my entry point into it all. I wanted to know, okay, who, who are these people? What is this movement? And then from there, I, you know, other things, it just led me to other things, but yeah. Um, yeah, so, and then I'm really intentional about when I travel to, uh, to find out what coffee shops are in the town I'm going to, and <laughs> what museums and galleries, what they're showing, and what are the work of the people in that city, you know? And so then I, I've, I consider that part of the work, you know? Um, it's to go to these museums and spend time with works that are being made and in galleries and um, online resources too, and read about like art criticism and the conversations that are being had um, in our field. And yeah, all of that I think helps to, to fuel me and encourage me and um, yeah, as an artist, so it's yeah. important. What are your um, personal, like either favorite museums or books or like anything that you're currently into that you'd want to share? Yeah, so I really like the Art Institute in Chicago. That's one of my favorite spaces. Okay. Art spaces in the Manel Collection here in Houston. I we as far as books i the first book that i really picked up that i remember was living with art and i found it at a goodwill shop and i was like this right here is a gem and it's an analysis and just of art history and helping us learn about the art that we live with and it's a great survey um there's like a 12 or 13 editions now <laughs> you can get it off of amazon uh, any of the editions are worthwhile and so that's one resource that uh, I turn to often. Mm. And then I just have favorite artists, you know, like Sam Gilliam. Oh, I Ed, love Sam Gilliam. Right? Yes, yeah, so good. Yeah. Ed Clark, Frank Bowling, um, Alma yeah. Thomas, Howard Dina Pendle. And so I'll, I'll go to their shows or like find artists that I like and I'll go and then I'll buy the exhibition books and the essays that some of these exhibition books have are really insightful and really quenched my intellectual curiosity and helped me to grow as an artist. And so 
Yeah, I do that and then just Google online articles um, about artists that I, that their work seems to resonate with me. And then that leads me to other books. Um, yeah, so I think Living With Art is probably like the book right okay. now. And cool. then I'm currently reading a reader on Ramir Bearden's work, which has been like mind blowing and has been fun because my husband, um, there's a lot of essays in here that he's also interested in that has to do with his academic work. And so it's made for some rich conversation. So that's been fun to kind of dive into Bearden's work and the writings. Um, Toni Morrison, I love her voice. Mm, yeah. And um, Audre Lorde starting to read um, some of their work. So I, I don't just read about visual artists. Um, I like to read works of, yeah, writers and learn about musicians. Um, watch documentaries. Mm, yeah, <laughs> just, I'm on yeah, that train too. Yeah, <laughs> I'm all into it. And there's just so much out there. You just Google an artist's name and films, you know, whatever, follow your own curiosity. Yeah. And um, just carve out, even if it's just like 30 minutes a day to, to sit with words or watch a video or yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, it's, it's worth the while, I think. Yeah, that's great advice, like making a commitment to it of like, okay, like this is, this is part of it and I'm committing this period of time to learning. I mm -hmm. love that. And thank you for all the resources you shared. I'm writing them down and I'm going to link what I can in the show notes so people can go jump off on their own little explorations. Um, yeah. So we are sad, very sadly <laughs> nearing <laughs> kind of the end um, here, but before that happens, I have the um, intimate semi rapid fire. Are you open to that? I am. <laughs> okay. I know you've listened to the show before too, so you might know. These yeah, I think I, I think I am. <laughs> yes. I need to change them up, but for now, we're, we're sticking with the classics. Uh, cool. Let's do it. Okay, so they're all finished the sentence. And the first one is if someone really knew me, they would know that I love to dance. Oh, I love that. That's great. <laughs> Um, okay, the next one is art is. Oh, wow. I, yeah, art is life. Mm. It's what I do. Yeah, it's part of, yeah, life. life. Uh, the next one is the color of my soul is. Blue. Blue. I, I have to say with that one, I love when people know right away. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, yeah, I've seen it. I know I'm aware. Um, okay, and the last one is I honor my art by showing up. Showing up. Yeah. Not an uncommon answer. I think there's a lot of truth mm -hmm. in that. Mm -hmm. So what is coming up next for you and in this glorious time of COVID? <laughs> and um, where can we find you? Sure. So you can find me on all the social media platforms at lar art so l-a-r-a-r-t studio so that's really easy and then i have a website larartphotography.com and currently i have i did my first installation mm. yes with project row houses here in houston and it was to open the weekend everything shut down oh Oh so it hasn't opened to the public yet, but they've decided to extend it through September 13th. And so hopefully people will be able to 
be in that space and engage the work before mm. it closes. But I'm also be on the lookout because we are imagining ways of providing virtual programming so that people can learn more and see more about that work. And then I have a couple of shows um, that are coming up in the fall and next year that I'm already starting to make some new work for. That's all very exciting. And I was like, so excited about your installation and then immediately felt the pain of that at the same time. <laughs> <So> <laughs> you know, <feel> for you. <laughs> it's so crazy though, because like when we, when they told us and it was like, right, yeah, it happened so fast. I was like, ah, oh, I really look forward to the day that people can experience this work. But I had so enjoyed the process mm. of making that work. And when I was done exhaling and seeing this installation that was just this imagination that unfolded on these walls in this house that I had done, I was so satisfied mm. and content with the work that I was like, okay, yeah, this is good. And whatever else happens is just extra bonus. Like this moment itself is what this was about. And so I'm excited about people being able to engage it in whatever way life allows. Um, but it was, that was a real like big moment for me of saying, yeah, I did this, you know? And um, yeah. yeah, so. Well, I can't wait to see it. Are there, do you have photos up or is that? Yeah, we have photos and they did a virtual video already that you can see at Project Row Houses through their Instagram or on their website. They have videos of all the installations that are in this cool. round. Awesome. I can't wait to go check that out. Congratulations. That's very Thank exciting. You. And I'm, I'm glad that there was that, that feeling yeah. of satisfaction regardless of the mm -hmm. circumstances. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was good. It's good. Um, thank you so much for your time today and everything that you shared. And I'm, I'm very honored to get to host your stories and your wisdom. So I hope we get the chance to connect again soon. Me too. Thank you. How amazing was that? I know for myself, I, I was like, this is a conversation I'll return to as needed. So uh, please do check out the resources and the others that she sent to me in the show notes, as well as Lenicia's work, um, her installation with Project Row. All of that is amazing and can be found in the show notes. And that wraps up our conversation for today. Thank you so much for being here on the Art and Magic podcast. Um, your listenership is very appreciated. And I just want to add here that it feels really good for, for me to be in communication with other artists, meaning you, <laughs> in this way. Um, so I appreciate your time and, and just your being here. Thanks, guys. Uh, so if you'd like to support the show, uh, ratings and reviews really, really help. You can easily leave a review, um, by going to the show page, wherever you're listening and just hit write a review or hit the five stars. Um, also I really encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. That way you'll get the new episodes right as they come up. They'll just go right into your queue. Um, and you don't have to search for the show every time or rely on the dreaded Instagram algorithm to alert you of such things. Um, anyway, I'm sending you lots of love, tons of magic, and I will see you next time.